I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. Polarizing moods from last week. That's for sure. Here to help us with the inquest, inquest, inquest this week, Chris Young from the Southern Deco and Tom Lim. Glad you are both here. Oh yeah, hello. I bet you was not too glad, really. Oh, it's a therapeutic talk about it, Tom. Yeah, you said that once before. Yeah, possibly therapeutic. Um, I think everybody's feeling the same way. So, you know, you could have had one of forty-three thousand in here today. Anybody got any nice, anything nice to say after the weekend about the weekend's performance? Any, any positives? Mm, there's still three points clear of the bottom three. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah the there you go. Conor Wickham's performance, perhaps. Maybe Chris has just given us a funny look. Well, he was the best of a bad bunch, yeah, but that's exactly. not that's saying you know, massive no, amounts, no. Billy Jones had a decent game, I thought, considering the defence conceded four goals. <laughs> Nothing came down his side. So. He did in the first half. Well, he just isn't costing. <laughs> Problem we've got here, though, Chris, is we were speaking off air. We're getting done by the ball over the top and a little bit pace every single time. Now, you think every side in the Premier League now is going to look at someone and say, OK, that's the strategy against this lot sorted out. Yep, not rocket science, is it? No. I, think, I think Mark Hughes will be going, oh, Victor Moses, Duf. Yep, all oh, just get get the ball in behind for O'Shea's lack of pace. Um, it was frightening how open they were at the back. Um, and <laughs> there's not really a lot of options for Dick Advocate to change it with, really. Um, Quat hasn't really shown a lot, and Wes Brown is still crook, so probably more of the same, I think. I was going to write a nice blog about John O'Shea, actually. I'm glad I didn't now, like praising him, because I've never been his biggest fan, and yet this season he's been a lot better, but Aston Villa Villa and Crystal Palace have... He gets exposed if he gets left left one-on-one, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't think it was just the goals as well in in both games. I think he he, he dropped several of the ricks where he, he, he got away with. I think there was one where... Glenn Murray got in behind and managed to sort of shank this cross come shot wider than Mark. Um, when when he when he goes, he, he goes in some style. Tom, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I, I, I thought the ball for, for, for most of this season, I thought that O'Shea and Larson have probably been our best players. But O'Shea, the last few games, like Chris has hinted at, um, just seems to have lost the plot a little bit. I mean, he, he just seemed to go to pieces. After they conceded the first goal on Saturday, which you know for a player of his experience is is, is pretty surprising, I don't think he's helped to be honest by um, Virginie, who just has no pace whatsoever, and I call him the Latin Nosworthy because you just don't know what he's going to do. He can do something you know pretty outstanding, and then the next minute you know there's like three or four ricks in a row. And I I just don't trust him personally, you know, and I'll I'd be disappointed if he stays. I raised a few concerns, Gareth, about. Um Virginia a few weeks ago that now Poyet was gone and the sort of slow build up play and the Latin style of play almost that Poyet had and Virginia would be one of the ones out of his comfort zone a little bit and I think that's proven at the minute. I think concentration, isn't it? The the goals are conceded was just they weren't concentrating properly on what you're supposed to do in basic situations. Virginia was the wrong side for the for the second one. Um the first one a bit unfortunate I think because the, the deflection on the cross um, and then obviously the third, the third Balassi goal was just laughable. I mean, they were like two against one essentially. Um, and O'Shea, I mean, getting, letting the ball bounce and then getting shoved off the ball by Glenn. I mean, it's Glenn Murray. I mean, yeah, he's in form and all that, but he's on loan at Reading like about two months ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no, you can't explain it. I mean, we're talking about it afterwards on the way down. Um, to the to the interview room and people saying oh unbelievable and it's like well it's not it's not unbelievable no. it's pump, it's perfectly believable um, you know 14 home league wins in three years since April 2012 um, and you look at it and it's getting to the stage where well it's not it's it's at the stage where and it's been that way where the players are you know getting off the hook there's this idea that they you know 
one or two good games is acceptable every two months or three months or whatever and you know it's like that well that that keeps them off the back for a while you know it, it, it's indicative of an attitude I think when you look at someone like Stephen Fletch who scores two goals against Stoke which was first goals of a calendar year or something ridiculous like that and then he goes off celebrating with you know Kupner's ears to the crowd scores two goals against Crystal Palace in November and hasn't scored since and it's like well you know you, you've got to back these things up and I, I I don't know I don't know really where you go from here I just kind of feel if, if we do stay up and it is in our hands um, I don't think the, cre- the players should get any credit whatsoever for it um, because they'll, they'll stay up on merit um, because the amount of points you you get in a, in a season is um, you know you, you you finish where you finish, but at the same time, those players that we've got, I spoke to Stephen about this, you know, off off mic, um, you know, the players that we've got are better than than they're showing, and it's continuous, and if they do stay up, and it'll just be they'll have eked up, and they'll, they'll be in the Premier League next season if that's the case. I don't think they deserve any credit for it whatsoever because it's they've vastly underperformed for three or four years of a, a collection of them. It's just, it's just not acceptable, and you know people walking out of the ground, you know, gets talked about uh, on on national television programs and stuff like that. You know, it's all very well national journalists coming on and criticising supporters. There was one who said that supporters have entered into a contract with uh, the team and they should stick it out. Well, I'll tell you what. You get yourself up the stadium alike and watch that for eight years because yeah. it's pay, been going on and pay for a season ticket. Yeah. It's all very well criticising mm-hmm. it when you get in for free. That's not to say that uh, they might not pay for football matches on occasion when they want to go, but you know, it's, it's easy enough, you know, to 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 criticise. But or even if you don't pay for free, be like Chris and be forced to watch it every week. Exactly, <laughs> it's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't want you to think well, yeah. I'm going to go you there. Chris. Yeah, no, no, well, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think just supporters have been battered over the head too often. Now it's happened too often. It's been the same pattern that's gone on for what probably mm. since 2011-ish, 2010-ish now, mm. um, and it's reached the stage now where fans are disillusioned both with the club and with the playing squad that's at the club at the moment. But um, the season we finished tenth. We were in a, we he, were, he was in charge. Yeah. <laughs> um, ask him, he'll let you know. Um, the season we finished tenth, we were in trouble for a, yeah. a quite a long spell of that, and I think we le- leapt five places to yeah, finish tenth. Yeah, on the last, day. On the last um, day. The, is has there been a season where we haven't been in a relegation battle since we've been back in the Premier League? Probably Bruce's thirteenth place finish. Yeah, I, 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 still, I still I still think you, you look at those two first two Bruce seasons yeah. as positive ones because they were progress. Because we got because we were safe after with four games to yeah, go well, or something yeah. like that. Pro- yeah. Progress from what happened before. Then, yeah. Yeah. We, we need to do it with two yeah. games left yeah. to go. Now yeah. we're in trouble. Yeah. But I think, I think th- when you see the standard that the Steve, you know, Steve Bruce had to go in my eyes when yeah. he when he went, yeah. but. When you look at the nucleus of players we yeah. had playing in the first team around that stage, you know, we had the likes of Zenden, Malbranc, I know we had people on loan, we had John, you had Darren Bent, Henderson, Jordan, Welbeck. He- Jordan Henderson, Welbeck, you know, the, the oh, was, you're make me cry, the, Tom. The, there was a there was a, a, a sort of chance there, as there has been with other Sunderland managers, to add to it, or at least for example, twenty million pounds for Henderson. Where what was it spent on? It was just spent on, you know, a number of um, ineffective players who've probably all, you know all left now, and I think that um, there's got to be serious questions asked about the transfer policy because this season's been disastrous, and then they had the chance this season to look at what happened under Defanti, and it's still happening. You know the type of players were signed for reasonable fees, and you know the amount of money we must have spent on signing on fees, and in some cases actually paying contracts up. To get rid of people we didn't want, it's just absolutely farcical. You know, it's like pin the tail on the donkey instead of you know having having a proper scouting network. Um, you know, you look at Palace on Saturday; they had three or four players who not long ago were playing in non-league, and they're, they're absolutely sort of reveling in the newfound situation now. I mean, Balassi was was fantastic. Sahar, who had a rough time at Man United, you know that. I think again we were saying off air they were doing tricks, you know, in the in a Premiership game they were actually doing stuff you normally see on the training ground, you know, and it was embarrassing as a Sunderland fan to watch our team humiliated the way they were in the second half. So what's the bad news? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, Chris, people mention the game against Newcastle, and you know, there's two things taken in consideration. You say, yeah, okay, it was a derby game. Newcastle are crap. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, you know, 
it's winning or at least the very least attempting to win second balls and stuff like that um, before Defoe's goal and because I watched it back a few times obviously and you had that situation didn't you where I called back at the ball on the left and three Sunderland players went yeah. back and it was him and I think it was Amiobi and uh, Perez with the three Newcastle yeah. players involved and three Sunderland players making sure they turned possession over making sure they won the ball back we eventually got a free kick and scored from that now that's the bare minimum you expect yeah. and you can't tell me that that was evident at the weekend. No, no, I think I think there was maybe two factors behind that. One, Larson missing, yeah, it was a blow because it for all Larson for all his deficiencies, Larson's the one who leads the pressing. He, he's the one who is the chief hunter in the pack in winning the ball back. Rodwell was nowhere near providing an adequate replacement. I think he was very lucky to sell on the pitch with that tackle uh, early on. And I think the second factor is. Palace pressed Sunderland themselves. Palace didn't sit back like Newcastle. They went, they made life awkward with Sunderland, and, and Sunderland struggled to deal with that. Looking for positives, Tom. Trying to think of a term objectively, I guess. And you think well, Palace, Palace are in form, and but it wasn't like it wasn't like they just yeah. came and pinched a one-nil yeah. win, was it? Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would have been particularly surprised if Palace had won, because you know they are in form and they've, they've, they've got a lot of pace and a lot of confidence about them at the moment. But it was just the way we capitulated after the first goal you know it was it was just almost a carbon copy of the Villa game they just you know you, you hope to God that professional footballers don't actually give up and they would you know probably argue strongly that they don't but when you look around the pitch the, 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 there was sort of six or seven of them just playing at maybe 70% of you know sort of effort wise it was it, it was just poor to watch and I think um, the one thing about the much maligned and, and, and fairly so in many ways Paolo Di Canio as he, he did go on about the lack of professionalism at the club and how certain players were more interested in the material gains of being a professional footballer rather than you know maybe concentrating on the career and I, I, I think you can see that with you know with, with certain players there it's it, it, it's not the be all and end all at the light you know they've, they've, they've got fat contracts and if we were to go down some of them would, would, would probably get a move you know somebody take a chance on them and they'd still be earning, you know, by our standards, pretty silly money. Um, I think with the Canio, though, the issue that I've got and a lot of people do is that, yeah, he said these things and he's right, but, you know, I can tell you the sky is blue and it doesn't make us a rocket scientist. Yeah, I mean, I'm everyone not, knows. I'm not oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not defending the Canio he, uh, he, he never presented a, a solution, did yeah, he? Because he, he couldn't man manage people. Because he moaned about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the huge difference, Chris, isn't that what I mean, I saw in your, in your piece today with Dick Advocat saying, look, I'm not going to shout at the players because some of them are playing to the limit. And that's yeah. a big difference between him and yeah. someone like the Canio, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, think I, think, that, I think that was telling from Advocat himself. I mean, Advocat. He's tough to interview because he, he barely says anything. <laughs> yeah. he, he's not interested in doing the media because he doesn't have to cosy up to them because <laughs> yeah. he's here for such a short time. But for him to imply basically that there's not enough quality here after what three games in the job, yeah. it's, it's exactly the he, same as his two predecessors. Yeah, he's, he's in a very delicate position as well because he, confidence is low. And if he starts coming yeah, out and saying what he really is. thinks, yeah, obviously yeah. in his heart of hearts, he'd be looking around and thinking, God, I can see why they're in this position. And the players know he's not here next season as well. E exactly, yeah. But you know, the, there is a new class of players there who, who've now seen off four or five managers, and I think it, you know, it, it needs to be, it needs to be looked at. Um, unfortunately, the, you know, the, the other, the other guys who've come in to, to supplement the, the squad this season just aren't up to it. You know, I, I think that's that's the that's as concerning though, Tom. When you look at it, yeah, you cut them all. Larson's, uh, O'Shea's have been here for several years. But over the last two or three years, every manager who's brought in fresh players has gone back to those mm. old tried and tested yeah. players because the new ones who've come in haven't been yeah. good enough. Yeah, that's, think, that's that's the big concern yeah. for me. I mean, another theory might. I think it's scary the fact that we've, it, you know, our last few managers have, have, have been people who've played at the very highest level as well, and we don't seem to make any progress under anything. No. You know, you had somebody experienced like O'Neill who everybody wanted in. You had Roy Keane. Um, who in the transfer market didn't seem to be, you know, you'd think somebody of his ability, he'd have contacts in the game, mm. but he just seemed to go for like Celtic players and Man United reserves. And, 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 that was and, a contact on it, Celtic and Man United. Yeah, but, um, it, it, you know, you've, and you've had Poirier who played at a high level. Um, you've obviously got Advocari now who's, you know, been there and done it all, etc. But it, it doesn't seem to matter who comes in, we just don't make progress. It's, the, it's, the, it's the recruitment that's the common mm. theme yeah. for me. 
Mm. I mean, when you look back to over the last, probably since Bruce's last summer at the helm, how many players who they've brought in who are not goalkeepers or are not on loan can you say have been unanimous successes? Mm. Mm. I mean, it's... and is that a result of, of cutting the wages? Or I think, I think, I think uh, yeah, obviously they've, they've been trying to cut their cloth. Um, they've been trying to meet financial fair play, and I think I don't think you can really blame them too much for that. Um, I think when we've seen the other clubs go to the wall, I think some of them need to bring the house in order. But on the flip side of the coin, you don't need to spend ten million on, on a player to to bring in a decent player. But well, I think there's often a clamour, though, isn't there? It's like, oh, we want this kind of player. Yes, there is. That's, you want that's that a kind of player. I mean, I think Jermaine Defoe is a prime example of somebody who lots of people get excited about because it's Jermaine Defoe. He's a name, yeah. It's Jim, Jermaine Defoe. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting because Sunderland have signed this player. But everybody knew what we needed in yeah. January was not Jermaine Defoe. You can't just say he guarantees goals. We've had this discussion many times. It's all very well seeing someone guarantees goals, but you've got to get the ball to win in those positions. Mm-hmm. To have somebody with pace and power up front might not score goals, but he's going to create more goal-scoring situations by being in the team, and you mm-hmm. can't just level all the responsibility for goals on one person. It's got to be shared around. If you're playing with three in midfield, particularly, or 4-3-3 with sort of two narrow wingers or whatever those are players who've got to be contributing with goals you look at Johnson who's got five goals this season or whatever you know he's that kind of player I mean Jack Rini last season yeah he didn't score yeah. a load of, he got he got four or five goals you look at um, uh, Barini obviously scored eight and nine goals last season so some of them were penalties yes but you're influencing the game with goals but you're not that central striker um, so the fact that we've actually scored goals the last few seasons apart from this one where we, we've been weak up front and we've essentially played with one up front for most of the time, um, it shows if you've got the right players in other areas, then then you're doing okay. But I just think that, you know, again, you, you look at Palace and, and Villa and how they've got players with pace and power. Yeah, Ben Tech is like, you know, a different level mm. to sort of to play where you could have got in in January. But there must be somebody out there with, this, with the amount of scouts that they'll have and the amount of games that they'll see where they can see somebody with... Attributes. I mean, they don't have to be a spectacular footballer. They don't have to be brilliant. Mm. But the, if you've got somebody who's quick and can stretch your team and maybe hold it and lay it Hopefully. off to somebody else, well, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about someone, someone through the middle. Pace. Someone with just raw yeah. pace who's going to stretch teams and get them behind. That's what we needed because we were playing... Everything was in... We were playing in front of everyone because we couldn't stretch teams. So if you start yeah. making gaps, yeah. other play, you bring other players in. We didn't do that. We persisted down the same line... Um, and the, of style, but try to change a formation to accommodate one player, um, and it's it's come back to bite us on the backside. And I think, you know, Saturday was a prime example of you know the you know the failings of every every window that we have. Everyone knows what we need, <laughs> and they, don't and they never get it. Yeah. Like no matter no. who the manager is, who the director of football is. Why aren't we getting the player that we need? Well, are they, are I, they looking I, for the player we need? Are they blind? I go back to Martin O'Neill said we need pace. Paolo Di Cagno said we need pace. <laughs> Gus Poet said we need pace. Mm. Where is it? Where is it coming? I mean, no, O'Neill invests a lot in Johnson, though. And I, I think Johnson's been great for someone, by the way. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, you know, when, I think when, when you look when at you reflect on it, on it yeah. he's probably one, one when you the best reflect one, yeah. on it, but yet he wasn't, you know, he's not blessed with pace like, no, by no. any stretch, is he? No, he, so he's it's not, interesting he, O'Neill would say that and then, and then go out and get somebody he, like Johnson. To, to be honest, he should have been involved a lot earlier on on Saturday because it's okay playing with um, Fletcher, Defoe, and Wickham, but the. I think you'd still be better off in some ways playing with two forwards. They need they need some sort of service. I mean, you saw Palace with their two wingers. I mean, in the first half, although it was nearly nil at half time, there was at least three or four excellent crosses flashed across the front of the north stand goal, which in a you know in another game they would have scored from. Yet we never seemed to create those sorts of chances. You know, we tried to like walk the ball into the net all the time. We're very deep, very lethargic, yeah, yeah. very deep, um, very pedantic in the way you know in, in thought and in in, in pace. Um, well, that's the thing. It's down to cre- a lack of creativity again, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. no matter who who's the manager and how they set up, I mean, Dick Advocates sort of thrown three centre forwards at the problem, hasn't he? Yeah. I know he's he likes just gone to try and get numbers. He, yeah, up, up he there, likes to play a four-three-three anyway, yeah, but yeah. this is a different. This is this is three out-and-out centre forwards practically, mm-hmm. yeah. and it it just com- keeps coming back to the same yeah. problem, doesn't it? Well, use Johnson as one of the three, or one of the white. You know, obviously Defoe's going to play down the middle. Use Johnson as one of the as, as one of the other two. I mean, has has 
Fletcher earned the right to get that role as a centre forward in the last 18 months because every time that's the only place he can play he's not going to play wide and every time he plays if you play 4-3-3 4-4-2 whatever mm-hmm. or a, a, you know one off the front whatever it's always him who gets to go up front and his own he's mm-hmm. done nothing to deserve it no. he played well against Newcastle but he always yeah, does yeah but he always does <laughs> yeah. they always yeah, do yeah. but one they haven't got enough change in the bank no. like you know to gamble on being good once every 10 games it's it's not good enough yeah. you, you know it's all very well sort of coming out and saying we're going to do this and we're going to do that and you know when 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 the fans are in the stadium no, no matter what's happened yes sometimes the atmosphere can be flat but who you know Whose fault is that at the same yeah. time? Well, you've, tu- you've touched on why it's flat. You know, the number of home games we've won over the last two or three seasons. 14 in 60 matches, something is, like that, is, I think it, it is. It's, it's absolutely appalling, you know. There's, there's no getting away from it. You know, In many ways, Sunderland fans uh, aren't critical enough at, at, mm. at times. Um, you know, there's 43,000 there again on, on Saturday. Yeah, we beat Newcastle, but we had 40,000 the, the game before that when, mm. when we played Villa. I think there's other things coming to the equation as well, such as this season. It's been a bit disconcerting from a supporter's point of view to see Poirier, you know, apparent loggerheads with his so-called director of football. It seems as though the, 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 it's a bit of an unhappy situation behind the scenes. If the club want to come out and say something to the contrary, that, that's fair enough. But it, it was, you know, Poirier seemed to have a different excuse every week um, just before he left. And obviously, the, this this disagreement with Congerton, um was was one of the biggest issues. And I think w- when he's players like Bridcut and, and and Buckley and Virginie and Shotgo last season are sort of coming into the equation. Obviously, Poy has had a, an influence in them. So whose whose fault fault if you're going to use that word is it? You know. And I think we did when we, you're talking about Rodwell. I think for a club like Sunderland who don't have a lot of money to chuck around to spend £10 million and this isn't being wise after the event because everybody said it at the start mm. it was a big risk to spend £10 million on a player with his injury record We said uh, all along you can't afford to be patient when you're a club you know, like Sunderland yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Ten, £10 million quid somebody's got to come in and do the come business in, yeah, yeah. You, you need to notice them exactly mm. Exactly. I've got an idea I've got a suggestion maybe we sack advocate and get the new manager bounce for the next <laughs> couple of games <laughs> and then whoever comes in then we sack them and we just we it's just keep option. doing that yeah we keep doing that so it might cost a few quid in compensation <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, sometimes you wonder if it'd be a bit more effective if you just got a couple of people out of the, out of the crowd to, to just go in and tell them a, f- a few home truths you yeah. know I know this situation will never happen obviously but you know there, there was um there was someone on one of the phone in on Saturday night, a woman who was phoning in saying how much her family like sacrifice things in in their lives, like uh, sort of foreign holidays and mm. how his son has taken out a bank loan so he can get his season ticket and stuff like that. And I think sometimes you know, the, the players in the club forget that people do go to those extremes. I mean, the club are great in many ways. They give interest free on the on cards and everything, and the, our prices are quite reasonable compared to a lot of clubs. But I, I still think that sometimes it's it's lost how much people have to, to, to give up in many cases to, to follow the club. I think you that's know? a trait throughout the yeah, Premier League. I, I, think, yeah. I think it's something that that football needs to address. Mm. It's, a, it's a complete... Yeah. I mean, there's a complete... Particularly with this new massive, latest yeah. million, billion, trillion mm. pound TV yeah. deal. I mean, mm. there's, a, there's a massive disconnect between fans and, and, and players. Um, you know, the, one, one school of thought, you know, like, let's take the the Fletcher Lamborghini situation as, a, as an example mm. you know it, we live in capitalism so he, he earns that money this yeah. job pays this much mm-hmm. why shouldn't he enjoy that mm-hmm. but at the same time then the, the supporters on the other hand will be saying well you've done nothing to earn that I mean mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a it's almost a moot argument in a way mm-hmm. but it just goes to show like you're saying you, you're never going to get you're never going to get a player like you know a, some fans going to a dressing room and telling Premier League players what they think of them because, firstly, the club wouldn't allow it because it's not so much they what they think the, of them; it's yeah, what, 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 what just to make the players yeah, think about what they actually what they give act- up to follow them. You know, yeah. I mean, I've you know I've followed some of the way in Blum and furniture vans, decorating vans, <laughs> God knows what, gone to like the South Coast for away games in the second and third division when the, well not the third division because we got straight up, but the second division when there's been nothing at stake. You just you just do it, you know. Um, and I, I do. I really think that they, you know, they, they just do lose. They've lost total sight of like what people do to to attend games. We need to put forward an idea for a documentary then that the players can go mm. and spend time with a working class family yeah. and live with them for a month and give them yeah. the wage that the 
that yeah. that family are. Some, some of them are probably from, yeah. Some of them will be from. pinch that now. The vast yeah. majority of them will be from working class backgrounds themselves. Yeah. It's quick, easy to lose sight of that. Though, it, prob- it probably yeah. is. Um, and when you've got forty thousand people telling you crap, it, you you probably lose a little bit of sympathy for them, whether mm-hmm. or not you think. You know, you never. You, you're always going to think that you're never as bad as people tell you because I, I think, you wouldn't get to that level if, I, if you didn't think that way. I think on the whole, to be honest, the crowd have been pretty patient with yeah. them this season. Yeah. They were patient with them last season that went in the wire. And like you said, we've, you know, we've been in a relegation fight nearly every year, or probably every year since we came up. Mm. So, you know, they say that they're just you know, dining out on like a win against Newcastle every th- every four months. It, mm. It's not. It's not acceptable. You can't underestimate those wins, can you? The, no, the, the no, wins, no. those derby wins. Yeah. It's almost without like that's Newcastle, it's, without yeah. the derby wins, they'd be down. But it's like this attitude, you feel it across, it's like Sunderland fans' plight doesn't seem to be as important as certain yeah. other um, fans' plight, yeah. maybe yeah. if you go 11, 12 yeah. miles up the road, if you read yeah. it, the and news, do, and local newspaper do, do you see other sides surrender and collapse like this? I know every side gets a good hammering every now and again. Uh, not, not often at a professional level, do As regular, as regular. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. As we yeah. see, I mean, the fans deserve a medal rather than being criticised. Absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody's tending to talk about the Villa game on Saturday, but, you know, we, we got tanked off Hull just after we beat Newcastle. On the 21st QBR of December. Southampton. Southampton. Well, let's not forget Southampton. 15, 15 point season. Yeah. There wasn't when we when we collapsed like that against Portsmouth. I don't remember loads of people streaming yeah. out. But yeah. people got to remember, right? And, and this is another thing, and that annoyed us again with this. You know, these journalists making these comments on Sunday supplement about Sunderland supporters and how you know they've entered into contract and all this. So you go back to the 19 point season, and then we we were in the. Championship for two years, got promoted, relegated with 15 points. Then we got promoted after a season, got up again, and been there for eight years, right? But we've struggled for eight years in the Premier League. Mm. We had two promotion seasons, one where we failed, and then one where we failed in the in the playoff semi-final. Around that, you had, I think, a generation of support killed because yeah. you look at that um, the uh, promotion season under Mick McCarthy and the. The previous season attendances. I mean, the semi-final. I think we had about thirty-four, yeah. thirty-five thousand there for that um, Crystal Palace game, um, and I think a, a generation of support there was just absolutely just had everything knocked out of them. They've tried. They've built that up again. I Roy King wasn't a came back. Yeah, I think so King instilled something. Yeah. And I think yeah. now we're at the stage where. Another set of supporters are going. I can't. Yeah. I haven't. I can't stomach this anymore right. because mm. it's been. It's, yeah, we had the two reasonable years under Bruce, mm. but I mean, one of them was 13th, we finished 14th last year. It's too it's too much. Like yeah. you say, people invest a lot of money and a lot of time going to football matches. That's their choice, and you, you're not guaranteed a victory with a ticket. Everyone knows that, but that's not why they, why they go. And I think one of the issues is we've talked about identities of teams, and with, with Sunderland, it's effort and passion and mm. tackles and intensity and all that, and... That that is the bare minimum. Mm, so mm. if that's your bar, if that's your benchmark for acceptability, and you're not hitting it, mm. you know that I think that just said, it said it's a low standard. I'm not saying that's something lack ambition or, or whatever. But it's just if that if that's all people want and they're not prepared to deliver that, you know, there's got to be more beyond that. There's got to be, it, we've got to go past that, and you know, it, it makes you think. You know, when we're talking about you know joking on about sacking managers after two games to try and get a bounce. <laughs> Are Sunderland the kind of team we've talked about this before that can sustain a long-term plan? Because you know, short-term short-term results can't be at the ex- it can't be at the expense of a long-term plan. Mm. Now, are, are, would Sunderland supporters be happier, 
you know, having more victories in a season, but maybe middling out at, at, at well, mid-table, and then when it all goes sour after 18 months, changing the manager and doing it all again, or can we bear? Can we bear that? Period. It's going to take where it's going to be suffering before it gets better. Well, I, 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 did a, I did a piece today for today's paper saying that what, what's the point in appointing an advocate permanently in the summer if he's going to have a year or so? He's not going to have much more at sixty-seven, no. is he? That then you're appointing yet yeah. another manager. Mm. They need to appoint mm. someone in the summer who's going to be patient, who's going to see through a long period of change because. Oh. I don't, Significant I don't, change is needed. Yeah, I don't think the fines are unrealistic. I mean, we, we, you no. know, we, we're not expecting to compete. Not, no, with the, no, the no, top, no, no. I think if we if we had a bit of you know the, the old sort of cliched mid-table respectability yeah. without a relegation fight, if we had a, a decent home record, if we had the situation when when you know sorry to go back them, but it was the best era of our sort of recent lives when Peter Reid was manager, where teams didn't like coming to the stadium alike because they knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, even if we lost games in that era, it was sort of like one nil or, or or whatever. I know, you know, it didn't last as long as it should have done, but it was it was a good sort of three or four years, and um, it, it, just like a totally different, mm. to, totally different situation to what we've got now. You know, the way the team played, the passion they played yeah. with, the pace we played at, the like you said, the crowds. You know, they, that that was the area when the crowds should have been kept and built upon. But I mean, it's because because mentioned a couple of things there, and, and the bare minimum being putting effort in. I mentioned there. Uh, Winning the second balls, you know, attempting to win the tackles, turn possession over, you know, with a with a little bit of energy. Um, but Gareth also mentioned identities, and I don't even think it's that anymore, is it? Because you look at somebody like, yes, you you would ideally look at someone like Swansea and say, okay, that's great, they play lovely football. Let's be like that, sign these players from abroad and have these fast players. But you look at someone like Palace, and you look at someone like Stoke, and there isn't there isn't a, a massive identity there, and but. That's just that's you know you look at Stoke and you would just expect someone to be like that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Win your winnable home games mm-hmm. and be competitive and I mean, who, who be, just, just be away from at least. Uh, yeah. yeah, but that's mm-hmm. it. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and I totally how, agree. That's all we want. Yeah. That's all we ask for. We, you know, we, we are realistic. You know? I think I think it's ha- it's having a strategy though, uh, having a long term strategy for how you want mm-hmm. the team to play, and bringing in the right players to fulfil that strategy. When you mm-hmm. look at Stoke. What's he's brought in? He's brought in Pace, he's brought in Juve, he's brought in Moses, and it's coupled that with the power that was there already, mm-hmm. and it's made him a good top-half side this season. Yeah. At Sunderland, you've got so many players signed by all these managers, it's a, it's a hodgepodge of players, it's a hodgepodge of players mm-hmm. who can do different things, and there isn't really a, a way of playing, there isn't a strategy, there isn't an identity at all, and that's the problem, that's what they need, mm-hmm. that's what they need to cement and then bring someone in over the long term you can see that come through well Craig's made the point and I think when he's been on the thing he's absolutely right is that we're, we're always two years behind the curve anyway yeah. so you know football moves on so quickly yeah. it's all you know let's build this passing, te- passing team it's like well and I, I, I enjoyed it I, I like to see them pass it but then Not you know Rodgers Rogers, Rogers, yeah. you know that's what Swansea did at Rodgers he tried to do it at Liverpool didn't work and he had to bring it on and Martinez was yeah. struggling this year at Evan because People work it out, and games change. And now it seems that we're all going back towards almost uh, more like high intensity, um, trying to get players in behind. Um, although defences are still deeper now, you're not going to get it like you used to in the early '90s, where people are going through clear no. on goal from the halfway line. I mean, you're not going to get that anymore. Mm. But you know, you are you are getting players who want to try and stretch teams, um, and like. You know, have those pacey, powerful players up front, and a lot of teams in the Premier League have got those maybe in the squad, and and they've just stuck to the guns and, and gone with it, and it's working. I mean, you look at, I mean, West Brom. I think they've criminally underachieved this season for the players that they've got the, at the disposal going forward. I think you look at Palace, who you know found, you know, who would have thought Pardew would be the answer, but there you go. Um, and then you look at someone like Martinez, who's maybe got someone like. Lukaku was the ideal player for that mm. style, but they, they they don't play that way, so they don't get the ball forward quickly. And if you mm. ever watch Everton games on the television, the atmosphere is very similar to that at the yeah. stadium, like yeah. where if it's not going their way after 25, 30 minutes, yeah. people yeah. start to get frustrated. Mm. Mind you, they've been in Europe and yes. and whatnot, so <laughs> I, I think they, 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 they could do yeah. they could do with being a tad more patient, considering. But um, I mean, that's a ridiculous thing as well, being in the Premier League for eight years. Just how everyone gets into Europe. It's like <laughs> someone gets promoted and they're just, oh, I'm in Europe by accident. Yeah. How does that happen? Southampton yeah. Swansea were in administration, you know, yeah. in the, within the last Crystal, well, Crystal years. Palace nearly went out of business, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, doing that 
relegation battle yeah. with, I think, Sheffield Wednesday last year of the season, but they could have gone out of business. A, a lot of these clubs, like Southampton and, and um, Swansea and what have you, and, and Stoke as well, they've, they've signed, it isn't, isn't all about the money, they've signed a lot of players, you know, Palace have said a lot, there's three or four of them in there from like non-league football who are doing really well. Or you, you look at somebody like Swansea, you know, like Routledge was just a journeyman, you know, he yeah. was going nowhere. He was at, he was at two or three clubs and didn't do a didn't do a thing. Ashley Williams has gone from being a mm. low league sort of you Cardals. know, what, yeah, <laughs> basically <laughs> that's what that's what they probably would have called him. And he's an, he's an accomplished player who, who actually toyed with us last close season when we were interested in signing him and <coughs> decided to sign for Swansea, you know, which is a. You know, respect him if that's what that's where he saw his ambitions. But if he wants to play in front of twenty, you know, twenty thousand instead of forty three thousand, it's it's a bit of an indictment. And I were well, forty three thousand for the first seventy minutes, and then yeah. <laughs> once we're four nil down, yeah. it, it drastically uh, <laughs> drastically decreases. I think, yeah, it's it's just there's so many like nearly stories as well. It's like oh, you know, O'Neill nearly signed Michu and all this kind yeah. of thing, and you're like, oh, well, yeah. even even though like. Whoever comes to Sunderland with a reputation is always garbage anyway. So I mean, it always happens. I mean, aside from maybe Darren Bent yeah. and Jan, because I think Jan was good during his time mm-hmm. at Sunderland, even though it was fleeting. Um, when just, he could be bothered, he was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it just I mean, if you had Jan, I mean, Bent might get into the team now. Never mind Jan. But exactly. you know, you know, wouldn't have him back mine for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. Like you just at a loss. I mean, you. You get excited last week. I wouldn't say that. I think a lot of Sunderland fans after last week did have level heads and didn't, yeah, I think a didn't lot of people get, were wary, weren't they? didn't yeah. get carried yeah. away with it. But like, even if they did get carried away with it, who can who can blame them after watching two two home wins all season yeah. and then you beat your your rivals at home? Yeah, have like you know enjoy it. But it's so Sunderland as well. You get we get to enjoy that for five days, and now I've got mm. to sit on this for a fortnight <laughs> yeah. after sitting on the Villa thing. Then the second, mm. then getting beaten the last minute after a foul against West Ham, you got to sit on that for two weeks. So mm. it just it just doesn't seem fair. And there's there's you know the the fans are you know we've been well I've been critical of fans for certain things, but what you can't hold against them is the fact that the desire for to, to want Sunderland to not even succeed, just compete, and mm. they've been served you know. A poo sandwich. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to look at the fixtures in a little bit, but um, I mean, do you want to do that before we listen? To advocate, have a look at the quick fixtures because then we can do our work and out while it's on. Yeah, if you... <laughs> yeah right. Which, the the, me, the, the, the wider public and, and, and media have us have us down. Um, do we think that's a little bit reactive, or because because we because we've had a good idea? I mean, if we go Stoke next game and win that. Will people suddenly be saying, "Oh, son, and it'll be all right"? Is that gen- generally yeah. what people are like, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I think we've we've already seen that. You know, look, looking at who teams have got left to play is a bit, a bit of a waste of time. You know, obviously Burnley beat Man City the other week. Leicester scored in the ninety-third minute winner at West Brom on Saturday, etc., etc. So it, it's really up, you know, up the sun. I mean, it, it should be actually an incentive that so many people are saying that we are down. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the what the players are made of because at the moment people don't think they're made of very much. But if they have got any self pride, mm. you know, they, they shouldn't need Dick Advocar. You know, the seasons that they're, they're fit enough now, they should be able to just play with a bit of bit of tenacity and a bit of bit of resolve. I'm kind of happy in one way that Dick Advocar's got two weeks. I know what he's saying, and the general consensus would be you want to play straight away mm-hmm. to put it, to put right the, the wrongs of mm-hmm. of Saturday. I said to Gareth, I thought, I'm not so sure. I, I think I, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I think he needs a couple of weeks with him on the training ground, evidently, Maybe. because things need to be worked yeah. at before the next game. Right, and um, we're going to hear from Advocate now. Was, like Tom led that in beautifully there with the, take the Advocate talking about the team lacking physicality, which is uh, what he's going to talk about now. So, well, if you can go back and be bothered to edit that out, then be my. Um, no, no, I can't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but um, Do what I've done, I've, I've provi- well, I've provided everyone here um, with the with the. Five sides, the bottom five, and their fixtures. So while we're listening to this, because this will be quite dull if listeners just heard us sit and scribble things, scribble out first of all, scribble out the games you don't think those sides will get anything from, and we'll take it from there. We have not a real physical team, and if you compare that with the other team, then this is a big difference. And in the, in the Premier League, you need physical players as well. Huh? 
And uh, yeah, we have to think about that for the game against Stoke City. I agree, because they have the pace up front, they can do something, also in a man-man situation. We have diff- different type of players, who are more combination players than with the pace and that kind of things. And uh, yeah, we have to find a combination that we start creating chances and winning games. Yeah, well, I said, listen, uh, we cannot complain to each other. You win games together, you lose games together. They also know that they play badly the second half, the way we give the goals away. away. That was very poor, said friendly. But uh, still, we have to do it with this squad, and we will do it with this squad. Everybody done that? I didn't mean to like just drop yes, that on people and, and set and set homework tasks for people I've, or anything like that. I've just picked out the games in which I don't. You told think. her through them while other people finish. So yeah, so I've got. Um, do you want to just t- say? It? Well, Leicester. Have, I don't think Leicester will pick up anything from their games against Swansea and Chelsea, but they're a team in form and their fixtures aren't so bad. So they've got Burnley, Newcastle, Southampton, Sunderland, and QPR to play. Mm. Burnley. It's Hull Burnley. Hull Because I've got a way for Hull and serious bother. Is that at Hull or Burnley, the Hull Burnley game? Because I've got a way for It's at Hull. It's at Hull. Okay, Hull will win that one, I think. That's the only game they'll win, I think. Well, if that's the case, and I mean, they've got Palace, Liverpool, yeah, Arsenal, Burnley, I think Hull will get three. I think they'll yeah. beat Burnley and, and they'll get three more points, and that'll be it. I think Leicester will beat Newcastle and QPR. And they might get a draw with Burnley. I think. God. Because we were worried, weren't we? At one point, we can we can't. At, at one point, we were worried. Um, we were saying, okay, um, we were clinging on to the fact that Hull were in worse form than us, and we were thinking if one of those bottom three come out, hopefully Hull would be the ones yeah. to drop in. But now, you look at the bottom three, and you think thinking two of those could get out because the form is starting yeah. to show. Yeah, Leicester have got five games at home as well. I think Leicester. You know, the games that they've got, you know, QBRs isn't that easy because they'll be looking at basically three games to get results because they've got Liverpool and Man City away. Um, so they've got West Ham at home. You never know what you're going to get with West Ham, Newcastle and then Leicester. So, I mean, the fact that a lot of the teams around are playing each other, um, that's not. I don't think that's a terrible thing because they're going to hopefully nullify each other. I mean, if, if those games were draws, then that would be ideal, but... Um, Sunderland, I think you know we've got three games really to try and get that, that four or five for points. Me. That's the huge one for Sunderland for me. Yeah, <clears throat> that's the one they've got to win. Which I mean, I don't, I don't think you know, despite how bad the result was at the weekend, I don't think you know Stoke away presents them with an opportunity. Yeah, but, for yeah. points, I yeah. think um, Stoke are a good team. They've been excellent this season, but you do get the feeling they're maybe not taking the foot off the gas a bit, but. They have maybe relaxed a little bit more than, say, a team like Crystal Palace or West Ham, but, um, you know, away, our away games are probably the best opportunities, I think, to get points in a way because our home phones have been so rancid yeah, yeah. and that everyone's at su- such a such a low that, you know, it's going to take something, you know, an early goal in one of those home games to, to get people going. Um, but you just... You know, the ch- when we create chances, we just don't tend to take them. So I t- you just I, don't know. I tend to think if Sunderland can get one win and a draw or two, I think that'll be enough. I think, I think the, if you look at this, the, the stat that Stevens wrote down: Sunderland, Burnley, Hull, QPR, and Leicester have all won two in ten. Burnley have only won one in ten. Mm. So what have we got? Six games left for most of them. How many of them are really going to be winning more yeah. than two games? It's, it's because less, less has come back to back, so yeah. that sort of worries people a little bit. Maybe maybe clouds it a little bit, doesn't it? Are really, any of those five teams capable of winning three games? I know Sunderland's goal difference isn't great, but I just think, I think if they can get are. one more win, I think QBR that, will. You reckon they'll win three yeah. games? Listen, we're going to listen to Dick Avocat now, and we're going to come back with some solid predictions. Yeah, the first half was already not, not what I expected after the game against West, uh, Newcastle and the way we trained this week. It looked very positive, but uh, we worked hard the first half without creating chances. And uh, football is about creating chances. And uh, we worked, we, we worked for our. On the way we worked, it was, it was okay, but not good enough because you could st- still see some challenges from from Crystal Palace with the pace they have. And uh, I thought at halftime we can uh, we can change something and uh, play a little bit sharper. 
But uh, in 10 minutes, we give uh, the, the game away. We didn't create something, and that, that's a big concern. Despite that we have attacking players, there's a big concern that you almost nothing create. Uh, they have so much uh, pace up front. Uh, they have a good side, the way they play. And we are not the first one, because uh, West Ham, uh, Manchester City, uh, all that kind of teams, they, they're beaten. And we knew that, and, and I told them that. So play together, but they still have to, on the counter break, you have to do something. But we could not do that. So uh, we have to learn from that and we have to go on. It, uh, by the, it is a difficult team to beat that, that, uh, today, but also in the past. Does anybody have someone getting more than four points at the final games? I've got four. Yeah. I think I'll give five. I think I'll give five. Five? Yeah. Where, where do you think those are coming from? I think, they'll be, I think Leicester... You've got to hope they'll win that, and I think they might get two from Stoke, Southampton, and Everton. Mm. I think Everton, Soon, yeah. as Gareth was saying earlier about Everton playing slow, patient passing build-up play, I think that actually might suit Sunderland. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they got a point away from there, and equally wouldn't be surprised if they get a point at Stoke. I have Hull and QBR, thirty-one and thirty-two points, respectively, and then I have Sunderland, Burnley, and Leicester all on thirty-three. <laughs> Which would be the goal difference, which wouldn't be a good scenario for us, would it? <laughs> well, anybody got, else's league? I've got, uh, I've got Hull, QBR, and Burnley relegated on twenty-nine points really? each. Really? You don't think they'll get more than, um, I've got, more than another? Like, I think points? I think Hull will get one point um, against Burnley at home. I'm Hull, just averaged Hull it out. So when you when you see them, they still look as though they've got a bit of bit of flair about them, don't they? You know, but. It's not. No, I think Hull can beat Burnley. That's it. I think they. I think they're in trouble. But uh, you know, I've got some Queens Park Rangers. Sunday thirty-three and Leicester games. thirty-two. So Le- I've got Leicester just staying up on thirty-two points. Sunderland, uh, but just above them on thirty-three. I think we'll get four points. But I've got Leicester getting seven points from their game. I games. think we'll get about eight. Tom, how's your league table looking? I've got Leicester getting six points. Burnley getting four. QPR getting six. Hull three. Sunderland optimistically five. Really, I don't think I don't think QPR will get more than. I don't think I just don't think they'll win three of those five games. When they've won how many, how many games of QPR win on season not five? Not a lot. Yeah. Then you suddenly well, expect them to win three from okay five. Been home though, haven't yeah. they? Newcastle and West Ham. Don't. I just I just feel they'll get you know, the, they could beat West Ham because they seem to be you know I, I think they're falling to Newcastle's yeah. Yeah. the flip flops. Yeah. I could see them getting six from and, that. And, uh, and that would be it. Yeah. So do you have a save there, Tom? Then. I, d- I do just <laughs> my don't goal difference I can't be bothered to be specific enough to work out the scores so you know yeah. it's open to interpretation whether we stay up on my, I think, on, I th- on my I, league table I, th- I think that three point bar- that three point margin is a big one even mm. at this stage it's, it just shows isn't it because Gareth and, and I were talking in the car on the way here saying had we held on for a point of West Ham that could have been a huge yeah, point I mean, couldn't four, four points yeah 15 I mean, drawn games all this talk about always say this about must win games everyone says this is a must win game that's a must win game Hull at home where we lost yeah. QBR at home where we lost we yeah. draw those games we, we are two points better off Yeah. Hull and QBR are two yeah. points worse off mm. I mean that, that they would have been massive points on their own so it just goes to show it, it's the end of the season where it counts where, where everything everything tots up so you know must win games and all you this you should present the players with that stat Gareth so you know when, when you draw and uh, when you lose losing 1-0 you don't realise how important the point is yeah. you don't give up well especially when it seems around you I mean yeah. that, that's the thing I mean with it, with Hull, QBR Burnley, Leicester all sort of playing fixtures around. I mean Villa I think last game of the season I think Villa have got Hull and QBR have got Leicester or something like that so I mean but, like when you look at them Bur- Burnley B- Burnley and QBR have probably We've probably got more teams who don't have a lot to play for, um, but like you know, like you've said, there's a, there's there's a lot of them playing each other, and that's where the points are. Yeah, I mean you know, draw, draws and draws. Yeah, but even even wins. Points. I mean, if you get one more win to get that barrier, that means even if one of them wins, mm. it puts one of them further behind mm. you, even though one's closer. So you just mm. got to hope that the right teams win those games to give to keep your buffer in place, but. I mean, to sit, you know, if it, you just don't know. I mean, this Sunderland team, you just don't, you just don't know what <laughs> no, you're you going to get with them. 
That's the problem. They'll go and win three on the bounce or something. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, we, we know they're not world beaters, but they shouldn't be anywhere near no, the position no. they're in. They're underachieving, aren't they? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. You look at someone like Burnley and you think, right, they're they're maximum yeah, now. Correct. Yeah. And it's 100%. And if our players give 100% every game, I keep going back, you know, winning your second balls or at least attempting mm. to, we'd be nowhere near the bottom three, would we? Absolutely. Okay. Anything, uh, anything else to add by anybody? No. no, no, just say your prayers, everyone. Week off, week <laughs> off next week, and then uh, you know, watching those, watching those other games, you just hope that the results go our way. And we, you know, it gives even though our game in hands Arsenal, it, it is the second last game of the season, so there might be an FA Cup final. It gives, then. yeah, it gives, it gives you a little, just a little, um, you know, a, a little bit of a psychological advantage. I think if you're still out the bottom three, and yeah. some of those play, teams have played one more game than you. Um, so everything's in place at Sunderland, you know, from the base, a relatively successful club. You know, the, the fan base got a decent stadium, fantastic training facilities. It's just sometimes I think they forget that the real focal point, and you know, amongst all this invest in Africa, etc., which is all commendable and, and done for the right reasons, probably. But like that first team on the pitch mm. is like that—that's what's going to bring you interest and money and, and all the rest of it. Well, you certainly think that the last thing um, that was problematic in that respect was the. The clash between Poyet and Congerton. Mm. Now that excuse isn't there anymore for mm. Congerton, is it? So yeah. it's going to be his guy. Well, he's got no, win he's got no window yeah. to work in now, so no, it's going to no, be no, this summer, no. isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. But if, if we can crawl over the line, then you know that's mm -hmm. that's one excuse down, isn't it, for next season? <laughs> yeah. What, you want, what they should be doing, like I know it may, it may even sound a little bit ridiculous, but there's a there'll be a list of free agents out there, and one of them. One of them will have maybe something about them if they could bring them in just to the end of the season, just to freshen it up. Someone with pace, someone yeah. with power, something they haven't got. They don't have to be the best player in the world. They just have to offer something fresh and different that we haven't got. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there is a player out there, yeah. but you know there must there must be. I think that they'd be silly to to not to not look at that because I think when you bring in somebody different, you know, fresh face. You look when we brought in Waddle at the end of that season, ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah, we didn't stay up, but it, it brightened things up a bit. Um, he was a well, yeah, Buckley to be the save, yeah, to come yeah. back from injury. Yeah, he's due, isn't he? Him and Rodwell due a good game. Mm, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, just another two weeks to wait now. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.